Hello and welcome to Brokenomics, the year of 2023 in review and a look ahead at some predictions for 2024. Right, so before I get into that, a uh, funny story. So it's it's Christmas week and I'm sat at home enjoying myself, enjoying a uh, a flagon of whatever it is, um, you know, mead, my, my tipple of choice. So I'm, I'm sat here enjoying my flagon of mead. Um, playing with a puppy, pretending to be impressed with the children's artwork, um, doing my my customary Christmas jigsaw puzzle. Um, happy as Larry when my editor rings me up and says, "Dan, in a couple of days your um, your Boxing Day episode is due to go out. Where is it?" Uh, to which I replied, "What? I'm having the week off." And uh, I was I was curtly told that um, no, we're not going to let a little thing like the birth of Christ derail our um, streaming schedule. Um, you've got an audience, so um, jump to. So uh, fair enough. Here I am at home in the um, in the home setup. So I've spent the last two hours desperately trying to get everything working. Uh, I have figured out. If, for those of you, I mean, some of you might actually be YouTubers, so you you probably understand how this all works. But for those of you who aren't, you might think it's just plug in a bloody camera and um, you know get a mic and then off you go. It's the amount of buggering around you need to do with getting mic levels right and your lighting right and, and all the rest of it and all the setup and, the, and this bloody recording software. Anyway, that, I mean, that's the whole reason I joined Load Diseases in the first place rather than trying to wing it solo because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I have learned a couple of things over the past uh, year with Lotus Eaters, so hopefully this is not um, too low quality. Uh, bear with me is because, I mean, well, this basically is as good as you're going to get today. So, right, so... Um, I've had to come up with a, with an episode, and I thought, yes, let's do let's do the 2020 year uh, in review. See where we are, uh, how we got on with it. And I was sat there thinking while I was um, you know fiddling around trying to get this uh, this setup correct. You know what what is the main theme of 2023? And I've decided that it was the year of fallout. It was the year where you know that old saying, "You reap what you sow." That is true for so many people this year isn't it so i mean i mean take your pick um the, the general public at large god they enjoyed the lockdowns that was fun especially the laptop class all good i get to stay home and you know watch netflix for a couple of years isn't that fantastic well the fallout from that is that you now have um jaw clenching levels of inflation uh in fact i saw this tweet from um you know see if we can call this up this tweet from Rishi Sunak, who who's very impressed with himself because he's pointing out, look, a year ago inflation was eleven point one percent. Well, actually, it was a lot higher than that if you use um you know the true inflation stats, which are considerably more accurate. Uh, and he's saying, hey, look, here it is down to three point nine. This is good news for everyone in the country. It's not good news. Um, first of all, the figures were higher than that. They were certainly higher than that the year before. Um, and even at three point nine percent, that means that inflation is still going up. And the comparisons of the 12-year period, because you've got to remember it's a rate of change metric, it's not an absolute number. So that 3.9% is on top of the 11%, which wasn't actually 11%, it was higher, plus the whatever the 20% that came before it. So, I mean, put it this way. Look, let's say something costs a pound, and you get inflation of 50%, keep the maths easy, so it's now £1.50. Um, the next year, the inflation rate can fall to 33%. Um, and it basically, that means it goes up by another 50p because it's 33% of the one pound 50, not not of the of the original pound. So inflation can fall, but the absolute rate increases. 
which matters to a lot of you because, of course, um, your your pay has not gone up, gone up well, unless you're in the public sector. You, you might have had a, a pay increase there. But if you're in the private sector, uh, you probably haven't had a pay increase. So, um, you know, the public is, is suffering the fallout of that. Um, governments, governments are suffering the fallout of having pushed the fear narrative over all those years um, while we were while we were locked down, and um, people are realizing the the, the the people who supported the lockdowns they they're not quite of at the point where they can just come out and admit it and say, uh, "Yeah, actually, yes, ye sceptical friends, you were you were right about all of it." Um, but I think they know, and you can see it. Governments across the Western world. Um, whoever was the incumbent during that period is is suffering from it. We've got the Tories heading towards a massive election wipeout. There isn't really the support there for the Labour Party, um, but they're just going to win by they're going to win massively by default. So you know, um, governments are suffering the fallout from that. Who else has suffered fallout? Uh, Germany. Germany is a good example. So they went along with the with the Ukraine support, the um, the, the US proxy war um, on on Russia um, to such a degree. That uh, Biden was actually um, emboldened to take out the the Nord Stream pipeline. Now Germany is is an industrial economy. Uh, it's a it's a five trillion euro economy, all built on fifty billion uh, euros worth of um, cheap Russian energy, and that's been knocked out from beneath them. Um, they spent um, the previous winter they they spent half a trillion euros on buying hydrocarbons, coal and natural gas and all the rest of it. With that, they could have bought themselves. An entire um, suite of nuclear generators, and basically had next to next to nothing cost of energy for the next um, twenty or thirty years. But they didn't do that because, of course, they're loopy green. So they're suffering from the fallout of um, uh, well, electing a green party and and, and getting so far in the uh, in the US's pocket that they couldn't even protest against something as simple as you know their um, their energy pipeline being knocked out from beneath, undermining their entire um, industrial um, system. Um, many people, tragically, this is something I can't talk about on YouTube, but you'll have to figure out what I'm talking about. A lot of people in, uh, how to say this, a lot of people um, bought the COVID narrative to such an extent they allowed something to be done to themselves. And tragically, some of them are, um, well, you, you get the picture anyway. Um, definitely can't talk about that in the first half hour that goes out on YouTube. Uh, speaking of which, if you do watch this on YouTube, I went and had a quick skim through the YouTube comments on the Brokenomics section. A lot of people, um, you know, respond to respond to these videos and say, "Oh yes, good, but you didn't mention this." Well, I, I, not, I do mention it in, on most of those topics. Whatever you whatever you're complaining about, you just don't watch the whole video. So go to lotuseaters.com and actually watch the whole uh, the whole video rather than just um, yeah scrapping about on YouTube. Um, who else is suffering fallout? Um, Biden, Biden. Well, for I mean, God, where do you start with him? I mean, he's made so many mistakes. Uh, I'd need a separate video just to do that. But um, would, let's just pick one. You know, he, he has run. Well, the Democrats of a whole, they have run this divisive, um, you know, process um, for so long now. You know, let's just pit men against women, whites against blacks, um, you know, whoever against whoever to the greatest possible extent. Let's demonize our opponents um, to the point where they're, where they're literally taking mug, mug shots of their, um, their main political opponent. And the result is that Trump is now, I think, something like eight points in the lead. Um, so, I mean, that, I mean, that, and many other disastrous things that, that Biden has done, he's suffering the suffering the fallout from. Speaking of Trump, um, what fallout is he suffering from? Well, he's suffering from the fallout of having been, um, quite frankly, a bit bloody naive. 
you know, he wasn't supposed to win in 2016. He 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 sort of um, he, he got in through the back door on that one by being far more popular than the than the regime realised. He should have known that his um, agenda of not deferring to the establishment interests, not starting the new wars that they wanted, um, was going to make him a deep, deep enemy of the deep state. Uh, and, and he was terribly naive in not uh, protecting himself against that, and he, he, he therefore kind of allowed the, the 2020 election. So, so he, 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 he was naive, but um, you know, I suppose, I suppose he, was, he was new to politics, and um, you know, hopefully when he comes back, if he comes back, if he's allowed to, um, he will not make so many mistakes and not be so uh, naive with the political process of the deep state in, the, in, 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 his, in his next term. Uh, Putin, while we're going around, world leaders, I mean, he, he was desperately naive about the uh, degree to which you can work with the West, the degree to which, um, you know, we're not, we're not democracies, are we? We are, we're, we're basically a cabal of um, elite interests. Um, and he, he, he simply didn't appreciate that there is, there is no doing a deal um, with the West, um, you know, he he should have realised that the um, the the settlement um, that they came to uh, a while back was, was all a facade. So um, he suffered from that. Ukraine has obviously suffered from the fallout of um, being in the US's pocket to such an extent that they've basically become an instrument of the wishes of the of the deep state, uh, well, the State Department certainly, and um, they have lost. Um, needlessly utterly needlessly it's it's absolutely tragic uh hundreds of thousands of of well it was young men now it's old men it might be women next it could be kids after that uh whoever else they're going to constrip they, i mean the the, the the u.s state department seems perfectly willing to fight to the last ukrainian um so yeah they they are suffering the fallout from that what else um um, well, let's talk about the uh, the global American empire, the collective West, as it were. Um, this is primarily the US, but also their backers, people like the, like Britain as well. Um, they're suffering from um, believing their own hype. Um, you know, they 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 backed this Ukraine thing to the hilt. And, you know, they put all their credibility on it. If you if you were listening to mainstream media reports from you know this time a year ago. Um, the Russian army was collapsing, and it was only a matter of time until Ukraine, um, the Ukraine army, marched into Moscow. Um, again, their credibility has been utterly shredded on that one because, of course, it is it is rather foolish to think that this could have gone any other way. Um, and and I've been saying that for for over a year now. And even some of my um, my Lotus Eaters um, viewers, you know, took to the comments to tell me how completely wrong I was. Um, I mean, it's. it's <laughs> it's all over, but the settlement's at this point, isn't it? So, um, and I understand why the narrative is, in fact, let's come back to that. Let's come back to why the narrative is, is, is so completely wrong. Um, who else? Um, Western governments. Western governments for a very long time now have prioritised short-term thinking. All they have ever wanted to do is what's going to be the path of least resistance to get me through the next three months. And the problems have just stacked up one on top of the other. We, we talk about some of them, some of, some of the obvious ones in terms of government spending and debt levels, um, their, their loss of credibility on the, on the world stage, how they're losing uh, global power. Um, but, we, you know, we, we, have a, we have a class of Western leaders who are just completely unsuited to the task. So let's come back to that one as well. Uh, who else? Uh, Gaza, suffering the fallout of... Um, that 2006 election where they thought, you know, let's give Hamas a try. 
Um, that that one isn't working out um, desperately well. I mean, I appreciate they they didn't have great options. The other was was fatter, who were deeply corrupt. But um, but yeah, no. By going for Hamas, um, they have locked themselves into a cycle of violence that seems almost unbreakable at this point. Um, Israel, of course, um, are suffering from fallout of um, not um, not having a proper settlement to the Gaza question. I don't know what that settlement would have been, um, but uh, somebody probably should have been thinking about it, and um, they're, they're now in this situation. Um, woke corporations, they've been suffering the fallout. Um, the best best example of that is obviously, um, oh, who are they? Uh, whatever the company behind um, Bud Light. You know, what a spectacular um, L that was. Um, let's also come back, that could be another topic. Let's also come back to, have we reached peak woke? You know, are, are we on the other side of this? Um, Bud Light is a great example. We're still seeing woke films coming out, but to be fair, they've got a couple of years lead time um, between commission and um, you know appearing on our screen, so we don't know. So anyway, um, lots of being lots of people have been taking the L um, this year in 2023, um, and it's and in every case, it's fallout from you could have made a better decision, but you didn't. Um, you took the easy road um, every time. That lack of forward thinking, um, which just completely categorizes everything the West does today. It's you know let's let's not consider where this might take us. Um, you know let 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 just let's just bumble through and then it'll be somebody else's problem in the future. So um, yes, that's not particularly good. Right. So ah, however, what I will say on a positive note is, on the whole unless you're Ukrainian, um, I think 2023 has been a pretty good year. Now, I'm going to have to caveat that by saying um, it's all relative. You know, I'm not suggesting that 2023 was a good year compared to, you know, even the worst year in the 90s or maybe even the 2000s or the 80s, and probably better than most of them in the 70s, to be fair. Um, but, um, but the reason why 2023 was a fairly good year is because the elites were so distracted by the scale and the um, the accumulation of their errors, they they have been suffering so much fallout from from previous blunders, but they just haven't had the the, the mental bandwidth to dick us around much this year. Um, I mean, three years before that, of course, and and the and the, the COVID and the lockdown was was a great example of, of of how they messed to us with a with a massive extent. But I mean, even before that, I mean, they're always they were always pulling some shit, weren't they? They're always fiddling about is something that interfered with the way they worked. I mean, you know, if you're here in Britain, it was bloody plastic straws had to go or, you know, you had to sort your waste. I mean, there's a lot of environmental crap that they were, they were messing us around with. Um, and, and they just haven't done an awful lot of it this year because, you know, they've, they've been too busy on something else. So, um, uh, yes, overall, uh, I would say if you are a young adult, uh, 2023 might be the best year that you can remember because we are up against a recent um, selection of years which are so awful um, that it actually made 2023 look good. So cheers to that. Right. Um, big topics. Big topics to talk about from 2023 and I'm sure 2024, especially for a channel like this. The main thing, of course, has to be debasement. You know, that is that is the name of the game at this point. We've got... Um, Western governments who are in in massive debt. In fact, I I, I got myself the stats. So, yeah, um, USA, um, UK, hundred percent debt to GDP. 
Um, France, um, Canada, 130% debt to GDP. Italy, 170, dear God. Um, Japan, 300% debt to GDP. So, look, this, this is the big thing you need to bear in mind with what is happening in understanding the economy. Governments have a vast, vast amount of debt because they've, again, taken the path of least resistance at every opportunity. They've not dealt with the entirely predictable demographic problems, which is basically, you know, um, we are running now total war level spending. So the level of spending we're doing at the moment, we have seen in the past, but only when we've been um, engaged in total war. When vast amounts of the you know economy are turned over to the um, pursuing that goal, but the total war we have now is—I mean, I'm, I'm not referring to you know any of the engagements around the world. I'm not talking about that. The total war that we have now—if you look at that—if you look at government spending, it's things like um, healthcare. So in the UK, it will be you know the NHS, but or Medicare or, or wherever it is. But but you know it's 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 healthcare, it's welfare, it's pensions. Um, and increasingly, the, the largest item on the on the government spending uh, list is is going to be um, inflation, uh, interest payments. Now, so um, they they have got themselves into this situation by by getting to that. But but the the interesting thing about a war scenario, a total war scenario, is the war ends at some point. Um, when is when is healthcare going to end? When is welfare going to end? When are pensions going to end? You know, we, we are in this open-ended problem. So the debt levels are um, high and rising. The deficits are, um, are not going anywhere. So how can governments deal with that? I mean, I, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. Let, 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 let's save that one for the end, actually, as, as, as a prediction for 2024 as to where we get to it. But, the, but you know, the, the key takeaway for, for this section is going to be they have to debase. So what I'm talking about is inflation. Essentially, they need to make the money worth less which will show up it will manifest for you as as inflation everything needs to be run through that filter um so disregard what the politicians and the media are telling you about what is going to happen next we know what's going to happen next they basically need negative real interest rates they need they need inflation to be higher um than the than the interest rates um According to that Rishi Sunak tweet, that is the that is the case at the moment. If it's not really real, as we as we pointed out, but let's say inflation's at four percent and, and rates are whatever they are, like five six percent, um, that that's negative real rates. So the value of the debt that they hold um, is getting eroded in real terms. They are going to need more than uh, more than that though, and the whole question, the whole focus, needs to be. What are they going to do to achieve it, and how is it going to affect you? And we will come on to talk about that more. But the key problem is, take 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 the US, the Fed, um, they they have a fundamental supply and demand problem. They they need to churn out debt because, of course, they need to finance these programs which they cannot finance. Um, but the demand, the natural demand, for those debt instruments that they're putting out doesn't exist because there's just far far too much of it so there is a risk and i guarantee they think about this a lot there is a risk that the fed loses control of the treasury market what does that mean that means that 
effectively the buyers of the debt are the ones who get to really determine the price that they pay for that debt. So basically I'm saying that foreigners get to control the rate, the, the level at which the US government can service it debt. That is huge because, I mean, put it like this, let's say the Chinese um, are the ones who get to decide the rate that the US can borrow at. Um, you know, very simply, they can make it unaffordable for the US. And at that point, the US has literally no choice but to start drastically um, cutting spending. You know, what are some of the biggest um, items of spending? Well, the military, for example. So um, if, if we were to ever get to that situation, foreign powers could completely undermine the US military without firing a shot. You know, those, uh, those aircraft carriers burn, you know, a fair bit of, a fair bit of fuel um, one way or another. Well, maybe they're nuclear powered, but, you know, um, soldiers' salaries need to be paid. Um, you know, uh, Raytheon directors need a new yacht, all the rest of it. Um, that could be undermined. You have to appreciate that there is literally nothing the US will not do to make sure that they do not lose control of the treasury market, but they stay, um, they stay on top of this. That means that you could end up being a, uh, a massive bag carrier when it comes to this. What am I talking about? So mo probably most of what you think of as your wealth you probably well, you 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 don't have custody of. So if you've got stocks, you're not actually really the direct owner of those stocks. Um, uh, that's that's done through intermediaries. Um, the 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 money in your bank um, you, that that isn't your money. Um, you are a um, you are a creditor of of the bank. Um, legally speaking, it's it, it's their money. Um, if we get to the point where the system needs a bail-in, because bailouts aren't going to work. They can't, they can't just you know, deal with the problem through, through the creation of additional money for whatever reason. Um, if they need to, the, the collateral that will refloat the system is everything that you consider to be your wealth. And how likely is that? I don't know if it's necessarily likely at this point, but it is most definitely a possibility. It is one of the potential futures that we might face. So what I'm telling you is because this debt problem does not have a clear solution and it is getting larger. So as I told you, debt to GDP ratios in most of these countries are 100% or above. Let's say it's 100%. Um, it, it, it's very simple to understand at that point which one is growing faster. Is, is the GDP growing faster or is the debt growing faster? Well, very simple. The debt, the debt is growing faster um, because productivity increase is 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 low, has been for a while. You know, one one and a half percent, and the debt is growing. You know, uh, uh, whatever the um, the the mixed rate on on the bag of debt is. I mean, the new debt um, being washed through at the moment is about you know, like I say, five six percent. So we are in the early ish, early ish stages of a of, of a debt spiral collapse things can move fast on this i mean this really should have come to a head in 2008 and it didn't um because they were able to um to, to play with the system to the extent that they they bought themselves a bit more time but this 
um, this could come to a head at any time. Um, unexpectedly, there could be a crisis, and, and before you know it, um, you know the, the, the bail-ins are in place. I'd, I'd note that um, around the Western world, they have passed whatever legislation they need to do to to affect those bail-ins. By the way, um, here in the UK, um, the Bank of England published a paper not so long ago, basically explaining how they would do those bail-ins, which is to say, basically they they seize everything that they that you think is your wealth. Um, you know, th- this has been readied up. In fact, I've, I have been thinking of doing a, a Brokenomics episode on um, a, a footage that came out of a meeting of, of international bankers. For whatever reason, they, they filmed it and, and put it on the web, uh, where basically they, they just sit around and, and casually talk about how they, would, how they would do it, how they would steal everything from you in order to reflate the system. Um, there's even one great point in the video where they... Well, they say, "Oh, well, we, we do it on a Friday afternoon because um, you know then people won't be able to get their won't be able to get their money back before we we take it off them." And then they all laugh. You know, this is um, you know this is not some uh, deep dark conspiracy that's happening in the background. It is a it is the banality uh, uh, of um, bureaucratic evil that is just rolling along, and they're doing it through press releases and you know and and, and sharing their work. You know, they're they're just rattling through, getting um, ready for this um, should should they ever need it, and actually they might. So what's the takeaway from this? The takeaway from this is that you need to have a proportion of your wealth um, which is outside of the system. Not an awful lot of options in order to do that. Um, your house isn't really outside the system because you know they, you know, you can guarantee once they've exhausted everything else, um, they they know where your house is. They can come for that. Um, the, the the small handful of things you can have outside the system is well cash, but as we know, cash is being um, debased along with um, well, I mean, the the money itself is being debased. So of course, cash is being debased as well, but it's worth having a certain amount of liquidity um, just in case the banking system ever splutters to a halt one day. Um, what you can truly have outside the system are, are things like gold and Bitcoin, which is why I keep referring to those. Um, the gold needs to be physical gold that you can take into your possession or put in a safety deposit box or bury in the garden or whatever you want to do with it. Um, and Bitcoin needs to be off exchange on on a wallet that you own. Um, you don't need to own a lot of that, um, but you know, even if you had, if, if we ever got to the point where what I'm describing happens, you know, those things will 100x. So you can you you can have one percent of your wealth in it, and it gives you just that in, that insurance against it. So I would encourage you to consider um, a little bit of um, um, a little bit of uh, insurance, and, uh, unless we get to that point. Um, we're in the situation now where you know it's perfectly clear that unless there is a productivity miracle, um, Western sovereign debt is going to default. It's simply a question of when. How long can they keep the system ticking over? Um, and potentially they can do it for, for quite a while um, in, until something fundamentally seizes up. And as we've as we've seen multiple times, that can change um, very quickly. I often think I need to return more, actually, to the the original premise of Brokenomics. So Brokenomics episode one, I explain that I think a lot of people miss a lot of what's going on in the world. The reason they miss a lot of what's going on in the world is because, well, how is, how is information conveyed? There's two big ways. So let's talk about the two big ways. That one is through, um, through language. Obviously, information is conveyed through language. Um, governments, media are highly effective at manipulating um, the flow of the narrative. Um, big tech is very effective at censoring 
um, what you can talk about. I mean, there's already been a topic that I broached on this episode, um, which which I I didn't actually talk about because I I can't talk about it on the big tech um, censorship platforms. The first half hour of this goes out on, on the censorship platforms. So, um, what what is the what is the other big mechanism for conveying information? Well, it's well, it's money. Um, huge amounts of information is transmitted by the flow of money. The problem is, is that most people don't speak that language. They don't see it. They are oblivious to it. And this is the one thing I, I, I think I need to remind myself of, is that often when I'm looking at topics, making predictions and analysing situations of you know whatever they are, I'm looking at both sides of it. I'm looking at what is said, and I'm also looking about how the money is flowing around. And most people are not seeing that second half, which is probably why I come along with so many um, heretical um, views, which my, a lot of a lot of even my own viewers um, argue with me about. And then a year later, I'm proved right. Um, I think I, I think you know a, a task for myself in 2024. I need to get better at conveying um, what I'm seeing and how from the other half of that ledger of that money moving around. So, yes, note to Dan, um, do that. So, um, people often misread events, especially big global events, um, and also a lack of historical perspective as well. Some of these things change. I mean, a great example of that is going to be on geopolitics. Um, you know, something like, uh, well, let, let, let's return to, um, um, you know, the, the uh, slight tangent to the, to the Ukraine war, but the the great game let's talk about that um the great game is something that goes back to well bef- before the 18th century really the great game is the um the mission to keep germany and russia apart preferably at loggerheads if you can and and that goes back to um mostly the british but but other european powers as well understanding that if Germany and Russia ever got too close, they ever got too pally, they would be able to dominate the largest landmass, you know, the Eurasian um, continent, Europe, Europe and Asia, and therefore every every effort must be made and has been made for centuries to ensure that that does not cannot happen. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.